0: Welcome so to, the to the Sooners Riley Extra Riley Podcast post-game, post-game edition. The Sooners day. Extra Podcast yeah. is brought to you by Zaxby's, Oklahoma taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's uh, today uh, or order half. online we at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. On I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here, stops, uh, I guess we can say as always now, as always moving forward, but fellow OU writer, Abby Bitterman. But and columnist Jenny enough. Carlson here from uh, Bill um, Snyder family memo- or, kick uh, not Memorial Stadium. He's still uh, alive. Bill he's, Snyder he's still very family alive, stadium <laughs> where <laughs> on Saturday say, a shocking result and, uh, as Kansas State defeats number five, Oklahoma 48 to 41. and uh, look Abby, let's jump right into this. Oklahoma's defense third quarter was not good at all. It started off really well. They had a, a, a three and out with uh, was I believe their eighth consecutive stop on on an opening drive to start the year, but then everything just came tumbling down.
1: Yeah, I mean, welcome back to the beat to me, I guess. I I tweeted after their first uh, the first drive when the defense got a three and out that it was a much di- a much different looking defense than the last time I was in a press box. And by the end of the game, I could have been on old takes exposed because, it honestly, it looked like what it looked like all of last year. Uh, Just out of nowhere, it
2: seemed. Yeah. Felt very much like that. I think you referenced it, Ryan, that Texas Tech game with Pat Mahomes three years ago, but in a vastly different way because (laughs) K-State scored all their touchdowns on the ground. Pat Mahomes passed everything (laughs) he got his hands on. So, uh, different look, but still just – all those possessions, eight straight possessions that K-State scored on, just unexpected after the way the defense had played the first seven games.
0: Yeah, and once again, I mean, the numbers aren't overwhelming for Kansas State. 213 yards passing, 213 yards rushing, exactly split down the middle, 50-50, 426 uh, total yards. Uh, Those aren't overwhelming numbers, although they're the worst numbers that Oklahoma's allowed uh, all season. But – the, the eight consecutive drives with scores, the lack of turnovers yet, yet again uh, was a big factor in this one. I mean, if one of those drives, those eight drives, uh, winds up being a turnover instead of a score, this is a completely different game. Uh, let's hear what Alex Grinch had to say about the defensive woes and that turnover problem.
3: thought, uh, you know, once again, lack of takeaways um, reared its head. Um, we talked about takeaways equal victory, and, and, and it hasn't it hasn't applied yet, but it certainly applied today. And we knew we were going to come down this road at some point. Um, and unfortunately, we're going to have to learn a, lot, a real hard lesson uh, that way. We've got to do a better job as coaches. I'll just start with me.
0: So that's what Alex Grinch had to say about his defense and uh, just, just been a rough go of it uh, or was a rough go of it today. And there were some issues that hadn't hurt the Sooners to this point that uh, came out and bit them today.
1: Yeah, and I believe that's four games now without a turnover for OU. Um, I think, Ryan, you might have said it earlier, how how many turnovers <laughs> did they have at this well, point last
0: year? Yeah, here's the deal. Through, through eight games a year ago, Oklahoma had seven turnovers. They had four seven turnovers. That wound up being – Oklahoma's worst turnover performance in recorded history last season which was a big reason why Mike Stoops was let go halfway through the season it was a big reason why Alex Grinch was brought in and it's a big reason why Alex Grinch all he talked about it seemed like in the offseason was forcing turnovers that hasn't been the case Uh, they only have six this year Um, so that's that's got to change Alex Grinch talked about Needing to do things differently, but he's talked about needing to do things differently here for a couple of weeks. And like I said, to this point, it hadn't hurt the Sooners, but today it played a major factor.
2: I was sort of in the camp of what's the big deal if they're getting if they're getting you know stops if they're getting the ball back for the offense? Um, sure, you want to get turnovers. Obviously, everybody wants to get turnovers. Um, get your get your offense more possessions. But you know the improvement we'd seen in the Oklahoma defense. You know, you weren't saying, you know, miss tackles and um, you got to make up for uh, wide open receivers and all sorts of problems with turnovers. But today on a day when they miss tackles, when they let receivers run open, they had a secondary that that was already thin, get thinner with the ejection of Parnell Motley of ill-advised you know, dumb mistake. He, he he gets in the heat of the moment, kicks an opponent, gets ejected. And then you have, uh, and you have a DeLarian Turner yell, uh, have his helmet taken away concussion. We assume, uh, protocol did not play the second half. So, you know, it just compounded the issues when you don't get the turnovers and they just didn't have that standard out there. And it, it just now, I mean, it was hanging over them before, but then when you're in a game where you need those to switch the game, it almost becomes the pressure becomes almost
1: too much. And, and Oklahoma had been also, the defense had been so good so far this season at stopping teams on third down. And there was just hardly any of that today. Yeah. Yeah, It was the third down defense was, was atrocious.
2: and, they had uh, they were 6 of 13, which statistically is not great, but not terrible. But four of those six were 10 yards or longer third downs that K-State converted. And two additionals that don't count against those statistics were penalties that gave K-State first downs that were over 10 yards also. So there are half a dozen third downs where you're in third and long, and you can't get off the field.
0: Yeah, Jenny, I, and I touched on this in my story that, To me, the drive that sort of highlighted the problems in this game for the Oklahoma defense came when Oklahoma was ahead there uh, early in the second quarter. Trey Brown really could have been called for for a penalty on the play before, but the next play uh, gets called for a defensive holding that uh, I believe gave uh, Kansas State a first down after a third and 17. So if they don't get that, I think Kansas State is is probably – were they they on field goal range there, like edge of field goal range? Yeah, it would have been close. Yeah, it, I mean, it would have been difficult, but third and 17, you still feel pretty good, good about th- those things. And then Parnell Motley's ejection happens a few plays later on a touchdown that uh, – you know, an Oklahoma linebacker just flat out ran past Youngblood yeah. uh, as Youngblood found the end zone.
2: Yeah, I mean, just, just compounding issues upon compounding issues. And now, you know, you sort of wonder, you know, where is this defense? Because it seemed like it was trending the right way, and now there has to be a lot of questions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I reference this that uh, again in my story. Check Oklahoma.com or your Oklahoman uh, Sunday morning, um, that this defensive performance reminded a lot of people, not just me and not just you, Jenny and, and you, Abby, of this defense a year ago. What what Mike Stoops? What the Mike Stoops defense became and the problems and the uh, you know the the outrage among Oklahoma fans at this. It looked that way, and and after the game, I asked Kenneth Murray. One, how confident are you that you can fix the issues that uh, we saw today with this defense and, and then followed up? Uh, let, let's hear what Kenneth Murray had to say to that.
3: With this Extremely confident. Why? Because, I mean, it's, it's – if it's, 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 it's push comes to shove, the weight of the world on my shoulders, I want the weight of the world on my shoulders. And so as a leader of this defense, we're going to get it fixed. I, 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 I'm going to tell you that – Ain't going to be no, you know, going down the stretch and, you know, back-to-back bad games and stuff that we seen in the past. No, this is different. You know, we had one bad Saturday. Well, that's life. Move on. We're going to get this thing fixed.
0: So that's what Kenneth Murray had to say. Uh, Abby, what do you make of that? What, uh, you know, was this just a, a one-off poor performance or is this a sign that uh, things could fall apart for this defense?
1: You know, I mean, I feel like the Sooners have to hope it was just a one-off. I know that uh, sometimes this season, you know, they've had a little bit of a slow start letting teams score early, but then usually they've been able to shut them down, and that just wasn't the case this week. Um, so, you know, if you're OU's defense, I, like I said, I think you have to hope that it was just a one-off, but th- the Iowa State game will tell, I
2: guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's obviously some challenges left. I mean, clearly that Baylor game now looms pretty darn large, and you know, while Iowa State obviously uh, has been better, they lose to Oklahoma State today. So, what Oklahoma? What can Oklahoma State do to challenge this defense? You know, I think there are some definite. Um, I mean, I thought Texas was going to be the the uh, the moment of truth, and if they got over Texas, you knew okay, they're gonna they're gonna be able to handle. You know, passing teams, running teams, teams that are physical, teams that are big, teams that are good. And, you know, I was really stunned by what we saw today.
0: Yeah, I was too. You know, I think the one thing that you can point to if you're Oklahoma is that Kansas State's offense is so different from any other offense they're going to face in the Big 12. So maybe maybe it was an aberration. Maybe, you know, another team that doesn't run the ball the way that Kansas State does. Um isn't going to give them them issues. Isn't going to be able to give them issues. But certainly, when you look forward on their schedule and you see, you know, the the one that I look for is Chuba Hubbard, uh, Lumen Large there. But you also see that the tackling issues that they had today. Although uh, I thought Alex Grinch sort of downplayed that versus some of the other issues that they had with the defense. Although Lincoln Riley said this was by far their their worst tackling performance of the year. Uh, some of those other things that, uh, you know, I I think this bye week comes at an interesting time. They've got a chance to fix some of the things. Alex Grinch said that they're going to, you know, change the way they approach takeaways, which, you know, I'm not sure what else you change when you're talking about a couple weeks ago that nobody works on takeaways as much as they do. Well, it's just not translating. So, uh, you know, we'll see how much of an impact it has but certainly uh, some concern. Well, we're going to take a break right there. I'm Ryan Aber with uh, Jenny Carlson and Abby Bitterman. This is the Sooner's Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra podcast, presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Uh, okay, we talked about defense and everything that went wrong with the defense in the first segment, but uh, Jenny, there's a whole lot that went wrong offensively. And I, I know, obviously, you look at the, the 41 points that they scored, and yeah. that, that number is great, uh, but some very concerning things on that side of the ball for the Sooners one you know they couldn't answer early when uh when Kansas State started punching back Mm uh with with what they were able to do offensively and that really to me started with the fact that Oklahoma never established any kind of run game Jalen Hurts in the scrambles had a lot of yardage, finished with uh, just under 100 yards, was it 96 yards rushing, I think, had the three touchdowns. But there's a big number that uh, stood out to me, and that's Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks only getting the ball three times. Let's listen to Lincoln Riley real quick and and see what he said about that issue. Yeah, I mean,
3: it's definitely – you know, it got tough there at the end of the game just with the scenario of having to score – a bunch, um, and in a short amount of time, so that obviously was a factor. Um, but yeah, we didn't we didn't run the ball the way that that we're accustomed to running it from the tailback position.
0: So that's Lincoln Riley on Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks only getting the ball a combined six times. Gosh, what was it? They had uh, tw- eleven, 11 yards. yards between them. So uh, not a good rushing performance. Jenny, uh, what do you make of that? Is that just not getting into a flow yeah. early in the game with play calling as much as anything else. Obviously they got behind and, and had to start figuring out other ways to, to, move the ball quickly. Yeah. But this, this wasn't just the fact that they ju- just dropped behind early.
2: Yeah. Because early in the game, you didn't see, um, you didn't see that. Um, you didn't see that kind of commitment to running the ball. And I mean, this game went sideways in a lot of ways, but I think, um, you know, there were times in the first half, especially as Oklahoma, you know, loses Parnell Motley on defense. I don't remember if I said it to you guys or sent it out in the Twitter sphere or what, but, you know, basically that Oklahoma needed to do some ball control. I mean, not really something that they do a lot of offensively. I mean, if they can score in two seconds, they'll do it. Um, But in this instance, it felt like they needed to give their defense a little bit of a, you know, just a chance to collect themselves. And instead, you know, that um, the decision Lincoln Riley said after the game, he felt like it was a a good play design that, uh, uh, that flea flicker with Nick Basquin throwing the ball. But, If you've got a Heisman Trophy candidate, I'm not sure I like that, but those were the type of things when you would have liked to have seen them maybe maybe not in that instance. Mm -hmm. That was right towards the end of the half, but still not. And
0: let's also remember that Nick Baskin's ball in that wasn't.
2: It wasn't bad. bad. It wasn't bad.
0: Charleston Rambo should have caught it. And it, it tips off his hands and winds up in an interception. But but there to get are so back other to get that, back
2: to your question of the run game, I think that that sort of is emblematic of an offense that, you know, in times when they maybe needed to be a little bit more controlled and measured, it was it was just not there. And the run game is a great way to do that. And you've got two guys that are really good running the ball. I, you know, I just thought it was weird that they didn't give them a little more of a chance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. I thought they should have been able to uh, move the ball on the ground earlier, or, or get those guys opportunities early. And early, I'm talking the second quarter and the third quarter. You know, the third quarter before things sort of got away from them. Um, that it just there was seems like there were so many opportunities. But it's not. Uh, and Abby, I know you haven't been around this team all season, but it's not like this has been the only game where they haven't really been able to establish the run. Sometimes they've been bailed out uh, from it by big late performances by Kennedy Brooks. Um, sometimes they've been bailed out for it by, you know, Jalen Hurts putting up massive numbers. But um, this isn't just a, a one-game localized issue.
1: Yeah, and I was yeah, and I was, was going like to Jalen- say, like you bring up Jalen Hurts bailing them out, having, having a good number of running yards usually. I mean, he – he did have almost a hundred, I think, but still, it like, I don't, like Just in my mind, I, I don't know. Just in my mind, I can't think of a lot of plays, and I think running plays, and I think that a big reason that he had so many pa- that Jalen had so many passing yards too was that he had those two big seventy-yard throws, um, two of them. So there were, of it- there were a lot of times where it didn't look like this offense could get anything. Yeah, Jalen Hurts put
0: up uh, pretty good numbers. By the end here, uh, 96 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Like I mentioned, 395 yards passing, one touchdown. I believe that was Hertz's uh, second best passing day in his career, behind uh, a few weeks ago against Texas Tech. Let's listen now to Lincoln Riley uh, answer how he thought Jalen Hurts played today.
3: I I thought he did some good things. I mean, I did. I, I thought he you know threw the ball well, uh, took care of the ball. You know, ran, ran well. Um, you know, he, he did some good things. There'll be a few, like everybody, a few that, that he's going to want back, but I put him in a couple of bad positions. I thought for the most part he handled it pretty well.
0: So that's Lincoln Riley on how he thought Jalen Hurts played today. Uh, Oklahoma got down in this game, I think, what was the biggest deficit was 25 Yeah. Uh, there in the second half. but started to finally do some things on both sides of the ball. They got a couple stops finally after those eight straight uh, scores. They finally started moving the ball uh, through the air, but it just wasn't quite enough. Um, We'll talk about the onside kick here in a few minutes, but I want to first hear what Jalen Hurts had to say about this offensive performance and uh, the comeback where he... Padded a lot of those numbers, and and they wound up looking a whole lot better at the end than they did uh, midway through the third quarter. Whatever spark we had, um, resurgence we had, whatever you want to call it, it wasn't enough.
3: It was not enough. um, I'll do better with my leadership. Um, It
0: you can't leave anything on the table no 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 longer. So we gotta attack it. We gotta get our minds right. We gotta take the right approach. No casualness at all. Um, just have the right intent as a football team. Appreciate everyone. You never know how
3: or when it could be your last.
0: But still, Oklahoma had a chance to uh, get back into this game late. Uh, had the ball down ten in the final minutes, it looked like they had a, a great chance to go down and score to cut it to three. But then, uh, then they had to settle for a field goal. But even still, you you thought, hey, this this Oklahoma team is still in this game, you know, given how explosive their offense is. And so they they settle for the field goal with what was it, uh, 147 left, I think, mm-hmm. uh, attempting. 145 attempt the onside kick and it looked like it went about as perfect as you could have hoped for the Sooners as it uh, the ball bounds loose down the field it looks like C.D. Lamb's going to jump on it with his fantastic speed but winds up basically blocking a Kansas State uh, um, special teams guy out of it and then all of a sudden there's Braden Willis who all he does is make big special teams plays Uh during his career on the ball. And, Jenny, that's when things got a little squirrely.
2: Yeah, um, when uh, when uh, it was recovered by Oklahoma, I thought, oh, my goodness, we're going to see a fast and furious end. But then, uh, as you might imagine, on a play like that, you go to the replay and there was an uh, uh, Oklahoma player, it ended up being Trajan Bridges, who was right about the – 10-yard mark out from where the ball was kicked. Obviously, can't touch it until it gets 10 yards. And it looked as though either the ball took a weird hop or it hit him. Lincoln Riley said after the game that it hit him. He he said definitively it hit him. But he uh, referenced a uh, an onside kick at Baylor a couple years ago that uh, was – I'm. Um, you're giving me hand signals I sorry. have no oh, idea what uh, you're, you're uh, hand uh, signaling like Reggie Smith was hand signaling sorry. and I don't understand
0: let's, <laughs> let's let's hear what Lincoln Riley had to say okay uh, about the onside kick
3: well uh, if memory serves me correct we had a very similar situation uh up at Baylor uh I think my first year um and they onsided it uh and I don't know. That that was the play that kept coming back to my mind because I, they they engaged our player first, and then the ball hit our player, and it definitely hit him before. Uh, I think it's tragic. It definitely hit him before the ten yard. But I was certainly under the impression that if they engage your player into it, that that there's no illegal touching. And if I, again, I may be wrong on the Baylor deal, but that's I know the Baylor one was very very similar a few years ago up in Waco and uh, and they ended up giving Baylor the ball. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. Go back. I mean. It was a 50-50 call that didn't go our way.
0: So that's Lincoln Riley on what he saw with the onside kick. Uh, Abby, what did what did Reggie Smith have to say?
1: Yeah, after after the game Reggie Smith told a pool reporter that they considered all aspects of force touching. However, based on rule 2-11-4-C, <laughs> the, um,
0: for those of you with the rule books open at home,
1: I'll, I'll I'll tell you what the rule means in a second, but that they he said that that was the main um, thing they based their decision on and the prelim- primary determination um, they considered for force touching. Now, what is <laughs> rule 2-11-4-C, uh, dash 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 you may ask? <laughs> well, it is force touching results when a player's contact with the ball is due to either an opponent blocking him into it, which in my humble opinion... <laughs> looked like that's what some I content. that's yeah. kind of what I saw. Now, but
0: I will say, like I was looking on the the video boards here in the end zone, which are fairly sizable boards, and it seemed like there was one angle that looked like there was a touch. Yeah. Um, there was another angle that looked like there wasn't a touch. And then there was another angle that was inconclusive.
2: Yeah, my my whole thing was I didn't think they were going to have enough to overturn it. That, I just That's didn't, what I thought. I just didn't. The ruling on the field was that Oklahoma recovered the onside kick, and so they were going to have to have something definitive to give the ball to K-State. And I was just – and, again, we obviously didn't have the huge high-def TVs in front of us like they would in the replay center, but – to me, that was the biggest question. I wasn't sure that it was obvious that that it was that Trajan Bridges did touch it. I, you know, the ball was on the tee sideways, so when it was kicked, it was doing sort of a, uh, a spin. A spin. Yeah, yeah, we all talked yeah. about that,
0: and down it was a weird field, setup too uh, because I think Gabe Burkich wound up kicking it. Yeah, he but did. But Gabe Burkich and Steven Johnson, I think it's Steven Johnson a guy who but, uh, two but kickers on the field for both Oklahoma. both of Oklahoma's kickers were on the field is the right. point it was Steven uh, Johnson okay good I thought I halfway knew what I was talking about <laughs> miracles never cease but um, you know I th- I thought and at one point it looked like as they're showing us the live review of what the replay center was looking for they were looking at the back end of that play so Jenny I think you mentioned it
2: yeah and
0: I tweeted it that it looked like they were looking for the spot right and then all of a sudden, Reggie Smith comes out in all his verbose glory, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> talks about how it's uh, a Kansas State ball. The the fans here went nuts, and then the game was over. So, uh, a really interesting play. Um, uh, you know, I I I think I. My, my Reggie Smith's explanation wasn't really clear. No. Well, it wasn't clear at all. No. Um, my thought is that the they probably made the ruling that Trajan Bridges was going to hit it anyway without the block into him. It's the only thing to me that makes any kind of sense.
2: I guess. I, I, uh, and I mean, I yeah. still think Oklahoma is going to ask the Big 12 for more explanation mm-hmm. on it because, you know, if the it seemed like to me that Trajan Bridges was going he was he was in sort of a position that you wouldn't normally get yourself into. I mean, I know football players get themselves in weird positions all the time, but it felt like he was not he was not in a position necessarily to go field the ball. I thought he had been contacted, but maybe you're right, Ryan. I yeah, I didn't know. I didn't really feel like I understood a whole lot better what why they made the call they did based on what we heard from the pool report after, but um I don't know if Oklahoma asked for more clarification but if I was them I think I probably would. Yeah,
1: yeah I think I would too. I feel like rule 2-11-4-c <laughs> is not is not is not the answer you're looking yeah, for. Not not the answer I would accept if I was Oklahoma having Having my having my whole game right. come down to that one call. Well, and potentially whole season because, yeah. you know, if, if
2: this – Yeah,
0: well, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> the are the you going to do, yeah. do a hand signal well, again? I'm, like... I'm just going to go – Yeah, talk uh,
2: to the hand. All right, we're, I'm done. We're
0: going we're gonna to take a break there. We're going to come back in the third segment to talk about what this means for Oklahoma's future, uh, both inside the Big 12, outside. But uh, you're listening to the Sooners Extra podcast – We'd really appreciate it if you'd go on uh, whatever app you use to listen to our podcast and leave us a review. Thank you so much for doing that. We really appreciate you listening. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxxon's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Jenny, we referenced it right before the break. We'll we'll let Abby uh, start off uh, with this one. Oklahoma's National Championship hopes really take a hit there, Uh, not only because of the loss, but uh, because of several other factors as well
1: yeah i mean um, that, that
0: compound it.
1: oh oh definitely they've had uh losses in the past i think going into this game it was the first time they'd been undefeated through seven games since 2004 um so you know they've made it to the playoff with a loss before but they've been losses to teams like texas who you can forgive and uh te- and i think iowa state who uh Right, that was a playoff year. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. that yeah. Iowa State team ended up being pretty good, if I recall. Decent, so, yeah. And they also had some uh, non- non-conference wins those years that really helped pick them up that don't, they don't really have the, – they have non-conference wins, but their wins aren't as yeah, strong as they've right. looked in the past. Compounding let's, factors, for sure.
0: Yeah, let's, let's hear what Lincoln Riley had to say about Oklahoma's uh, hopes – here moving forward and, and how they approach things?
3: Just like I have, just like I have last two years. We've, we've been through this road. Everybody in the world is going to say we're done. We, we, we know how this works. And uh, so uh, we know what we're capable of. Uh, we got to all do a lot better, coaches, players, everybody. Uh, there's everything left out there for us, and we know that. And so, you know, we can't. We can't listen to all the noise on the outside. we got to do a good job of getting ready for the next one and uh, learn from this, and we've always responded well when we've had a tough one like this, and I would fully expect that this team will do the same.
0: All right, so that's Lincoln Riley on Oklahoma's national championship hopes and Big 12 championship hopes. And, Jenny, I understand why he's got to say it. Right. I, I understand that he feels that way. But the fact is, when you break this down, this isn't like those other years. Nope. Uh, the other years, for one, they had a, a better non conference schedule. And it, it's it's not that they lost those non-conference games, but they won. When you win a game like Ohio State, right? When you win some of the other marquee non-conference games or the year that they have,
2: yeah. I mean, they they've Houston and UCLA came into today with five wins between them. I mean, those are nice names on your non-conference. But they've had, and I, I know non-conference scheduling is a total crapshoot. They're scheduling these games. Yeah,
0: we're not, we're not criticizing Oklahoma's no. scheduling attempt, but the fact is. It's bad luck. When you don't have – it is bad luck. When you don't have a marquee win early in the season, the overall resume, the way that this committee views things, gets changed so much. And the fact that they don't have that win – but it's not only that win. It's the fact that in these other years – There's been top ten
2: wins out there. Right. Last
0: year year they got to play a top ten Texas team in the Big 12 championship game. It doesn't look like that will be the case unless – uh, it winds up being Baylor, Baylor, and you've got to beat them twice, um, which makes it even less likely that they're going to be top 10. Uh, you know, uh, the year before, they lost to Iowa State, as Abby mentioned, but they were they played three top 11 teams in November and December yeah. um, down the stretch. Uh, in 2015, their first year making the playoff, again, three top 11 teams in November that helped them there. This schedule doesn't include three top 11 teams in November. No. It's not uh, an easy schedule. You know, they've they've got to play Iowa State. They've got to play Baylor. TCU that yeah. beat uh, Texas today. They've got to play Baylor. They've got to play Oklahoma State. So there, there's tough games. There's losable games out there. But it doesn't afford you the opportunities to really jump up and make your case to jump back in the college football playoff. Now, I think this comeback today obviously was nice that they were able to you know, cut it from a 25-point lead to a 7-point loss. And in some ways, that will get overlooked, I think, by more, about, more by writers who just look at scores. And I'm not blaming anybody. I do a top 25, and a lot of times – you know, scores are really all you've got to go by yeah. when you have to do it as in as compact a frame as you have to do it. But the playoff committee isn't doesn't have that compact a frame. They can, they take can look all the at this, time they want. They can take all the yeah. time they want. They can look at this game for what it was, which was you know a, a a butt kicking.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's exactly right. You know, if they had if they had uh, you know uh, several guys injured or you know whatever. You know, maybe that uh, changes what the committee thinks about this game. But K-State had they, – they lost games uh, that they only scored 12 and 13 points in. And, you know, that – if you're then in that selection committee room and you see Oklahoma losing a game in which they give up 48 um, to, to that same team – I know that it's not about, you know, good defense, good offense, whatever, but that's not, that is not a positive optic for Oklahoma to, if if you lose, uh, if you lose with, you know, only allowing K-State something in the ballpark of those, those type of scores, maybe the optics look a little different, but they just got trucked through much of this game. I mean, K-State scored more points in the third quarter alone than they scored in those two losses. And the
0: second quarter. They scored 17 in the second quarter as well. Yeah, Um, unbelievable. And they scored at almost as many points uh, in this game, 48, as they did in the last three games, total 49. It's crazy. So, you know, this this isn't a juggernaut offense. Um, And I, I think all of that combined... Combined with a Big 12 that looks like it's pretty – there's a lot of parity in this league, yep. which is great for competitiveness and everything else, but I think it's not good for getting a team in the playoff that's not undefeated. So I think it's going to be really difficult, more difficult than it has been any of these other years and more reliant on chaos uh, than any of these other years. To, to And they had to have a lot of chaos those other years to get in. So I think it's going to be really, really hard for them.
1: I do love chaos, though. It's so much fun, <laughs> and it could happen. I mean, it could
2: happen, but it's just such a high bar. And and, and I, th- I think the Big oh, yeah. Twelve. I think the Big Twelve sort of being a, a lot. I mean, it's it's, eh, it's just a lot of milk toast this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oklahoma was clearly running away as the best team in the yeah. conference.
0: Now what we've got is a great Big Twelve race now after yeah. today, but what we don't have. Is a legitimate uh, Clear college path. football playoff yeah. contender, and I think it's magnified by the fact that uh, I think LSU's win today. If they go on, if LSU and Alabama that winds up being the only loss for you know whichever team loses that game, you know you're going to have a really strong case for getting a second SEC team in the playoff that didn't even make the SEC championship game, uh, and and that just uh, you know that's disregarding whatever happens in the the east of that uh, conference.
1: You and I were talking about this in the car on the way up here, and I said that if, you know, the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the ACC and the SEC all have really strong teams, like really strong champions, and I think I also threw in there for fun if Notre Dame's undefeated or just playing really well, though.
0: Yeah, Notre Dame has one loss already. Yeah.
1: But um, but regardless, if those like if those four conferences have really strong champions, I don't think that one conference should get two teams in. But I mean, now I feel like like the scenario you were just describing seems very likely and very much and like heck, the right thing, honestly.
0: You know, and and heck, when you look at the way the Big Ten's playing out, you know, Penn State and Ohio State, uh, we could have a similar argument there. Can you say that uh, you know uh, if uh, Penn State falls to Ohio State or, or vice versa can you say that the team that loses that game has a worse resume than Oklahoma even if they were to go on and, and win the conference so that that's all stuff that's going to play out and cl- clearly all this stuff isn't going to happen we always have some degree of chaos in November but at the same time it's got to be an enormous amount of chaos yeah. uh, to, to result in Oklahoma Realistically, being back in that hunt,
1: more chaos has happened. Yeah. And, uh, you know, two weeks
2: ago, we're, we're at the Cotton Bowl and Georgia loses to South Carolina. And we think, oh my gosh, how could this happen? Then last week, Wisconsin loses to Illinois. Oh my gosh, how could this happen? <laughs> yeah. Boom. Today, today, we saw the exact. I mean, a top ten team losing to an unranked team. You know, Oklahoma's favored to win by three touchdowns, and that's. I think everybody sort of thought that was that was the way it was going to trend. So, you know, I, I, these things happen, but you still have to look, and you can't say that that those losses, those top ten team losses to unranked teams, are going to play out the same way. If Wisconsin can you know get through a rugged Big 10 you know that that would change their dynamic obviously
0: yeah they lost today they lost for today the so that
2: changes that but you know i think that that's where you you know all one a loss is not equal in Big 12, in the Big 12 in college football down the board because without these Common opponents like you have in the NFL, it just doesn't play out that way. So it's just that's the that's the way it fell for Oklahoma with the Big Twelve not sort of having another sort of you know obvious great team out there. Um, Baylor looks really good, but I don't know if that moves the needle like losing to Texas last year and then yeah. beating them in the well, Big Twelve. And, and would. Baylor
0: has the same issue about scheduling to, to even a greater degree right. for Baylor. Right? Um, you know, Baylor has to go undefeated to have any shot with their schedule what it is going into the year at least Oklahoma tried to schedule difficult true uh, Baylor and I'm not blaming this on Matt Rule at all but we know what uh you know Art Bryles wasn't exactly the toughest scheduler uh good point looking out there and and Baylor's defenses looked really good but you know who they looked really good against um one of Art Bryles many faults by the way Oh, he has many. I
2: don't uh, want to sidetrack this podcast, but you know, just saying.
0: Just going off the rails here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really difficult for, for, at this point, any Big 12 team not named Baylor to get into the playoff discussion because Baylor at least has right. their um, their hopes in front of it. If they win, uh, they're going to have an excellent shot to get in Absolutely. without massive amounts of chaos. Oklahoma needs massive amounts of chaos. That is this interesting point. to
2: think about right now. Two years yeah. ago Baylor wins one game, folks. You know, a year I didn't ago think the rebuild would go this quickly. Oh my goodness. That I mean and it, maybe it will maybe we'll look back on this moment at some point down the line and say, We were talking about Baylor making the playoffs. <laughs> Wasn't that ridiculous?
0: But Yeah, and and I'm not saying it's not ridiculous, but it's something that we've got to at least. But they address. keep winning. They've got a chance at least. You know, hell uh, Minnesota has a chance to make yeah. the playoff. If you're undefeated. There's anybody so who's... you're
1: saying there's a
0: chance. <laughs> <laughs> a chance, yes. A very small chance, uh, but hey, we're going to we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, we will be well.
1: Some of us. Y'all will
0: be back. Um, I'm going to take I another, are. I'm I'm going on the uh, disabled list this week. I will have uh, a podcast uh, with with Landry Jones a little later in the week, I think. But I think uh, Abby Jenny, I think she'll be jo- they'll be joined by Barry Trammell. Uh, I think on Tuesday, yep. y'all are going to record. That'll surely feature more uh, outlets to control your outrage if you're a Sooners fan. <laughs> uh, you know, more more therapy, <laughs> uh, more working through the, the stages of grief. We're going to um, play some
1: soft, soothing music. What, what stage should people be at by then? Oh, I, mean, I mean, everyone grieves well, in their own time. I think but, there'll be I rage.
2: Mean, I think there'll rage? be a lot of rage. Yeah, yeah, I think
0: I think anger lasts a long time yeah. for the OU fan base. That's a good point. So yes. I, th- I think that one is still going to be the case, probably until they get back on the field and play Iowa State, and then we'll see uh, where it goes from there. I hope to be back uh, for Iowa State week. Shouldn't have a problem. Hope hope not to have a problem. But you
2: need to heal up. You need to take care of yourself. Be day to day. It's all right.
0: Well, here's the thing, it, and we're getting off the rails here as this podcast extends.
1: Let it happen.
0: <laughs> so i've I've worked in this business <laughs> since 1999. I think I've missed two days of work. Um, I missed a day when I worked the desk in Muskogee, and I missed a day at the Oklahoman. When I got into a car accident and couldn't sit down at a uh, a basketball game that I need to cover, so I had a a, a rib ish- issue. Those are the only two days I've missed of work in twenty. What is it? Twenty years now? Twenty one years? So this is going to be difficult for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I've had shoulder surgery, and I know that yours you could have it to a varying degree. Yeah, we
0: don't know. I don't know what's going to happen,
1: but. Let me tell you, it'll. You might. You may be at a point where you're like, yeah, no, it's okay if I can't work right now because it's, yeah. it's a painful time.
0: So we'll see how I handle it, but I'll I'll be back uh, soon enough. I I trust that uh, these two amazing ladies and, and Barry Trammell will be able to hold down the fort uh, for, for the OU coverage this week. But thank you so much for joining us. Uh, You can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere. Once again, the Sooners Extra podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at Zaxby's.com forward slash podcast.